Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Yes, we are back with another podcast and this week we are joined by the guys from Red Light Rising, Brian and James, coming on to talk all things red light therapy. Yeah, red light therapy is something that's been a really uh, hot topic within the health and fitness and, and wellness as well as performance um, sports arenas um, with a, an awful lot of research as uh, James goes and, and talks about after in the 80s NASA uh, had apparently started the research on it. There's a lot of research out there about the benefits of it on our on our whole bodies and our whole um, wellness and health so it was something that we've been very much interested in we're always looking at ways to optimize our health and longevity and so that we wanted to uh, get the guys on to talk a little bit more detail and some of the science behind why is red light therapy so good for us um, what are some of the things like the the phones that you look at your computer screens and your tv screens that are emitting all this blue light why is it good to offset that with red light um, and an awful lot more the, the benefits of this are, um, are are hugely wide but we're also talking about um, some of the simple things that you can put in place that are actually in line with uh, some of the other guests that we've had on recently like you said, Dr Sally Bells of this world that are going there's some simple protocols we can put in place uh, that don't cost us anything at all to help us do things, you know, have better health, better sleep, all those types of things um, that are really important for us um, so that we can uh, perform optimally in our everyday lives as well as within our training. And also, we just want to say a quick thank you to James and Brian as well. Red Light Rising are sponsoring the School of Calisthenics podcast, and they are super generous guys, and they have given you a 5% offer off any of the Red Light products at redlightrising.co.uk, and you can use that with code SOC5 and bag yourself a bit of a bargain and try and get some a little bit more ancestral health back into your modern-day lifestyle. Exactly. Roll that jingle. Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast, Brian and James. Um, and first of all, a massive thank you from us for supporting the podcast itself by uh, our newly appointed um, uh, School of Calisthenics podcast sponsors. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. So good to be here. So that was Brian. And then uh, James, just want to say hello so the listeners can get a, get a feel for your voice. Hi, Jacko. Absolutely. Um, great to be here. Been a big fan of your work for for quite a while now so it's been great to be here and uh for um for those that are uh those those listeners may or may you, you may or may not have come across red light therapy itself or the guys um that have uh, that are brian and james are the the co-founders of red light rising um just want to give a little bit of background to yourself obviously um i actually this is another one of those uh, weird rugby things where me and uh, james uh, whose surname is Strong, so I know him as Strongy. Um, we used to play against each other um, many years ago, and Strongy certainly lived. You had to have an, a surname as Strong. You had to actually live up to that, didn't you? But um, and Strongy certainly was that. But uh, just give you just introduce yourselves to the listeners in terms of um, just a, just a quick little bit of background on yourself, um, and then how you guys actually met and, and why you why you got into red light therapy. So do you want to go first, Brian? Yeah, sure, 100%. 
so my name is uh, Brian. As you mentioned, I am one of the co-founders of Red Light Rising along with uh, James Strongy over there. And uh, James and I met uh, about two and a half years ago in London uh, at an event, uh, kind of a biohacking event, which we'll, we'll kind of get into during the podcast. But we met there and um, both James and I are, are very much into our health and wellness stuff, um, you know, making sure we get proper sleep, working out in a certain way, fasting, just, you know, doing as much as we can to stay as healthy as we can. And we met at a time when uh, red light therapy was still very much underground. Um, it was almost completely unheard of in the mainstream. But we both were interested in it at the same time. And at the time, there was uh, you know, one or two companies in the world that were selling medical-grade red light therapy devices for the home user. Um, and, you know, when, when James and I met, we both realized that we were both interested in red light therapy, but we just couldn't get our hands on any decent red light therapy devices. And then James, you know, we looked at each other and James said, Hey, do we, do you want to try and make some, should we try and make our own? And, you know, I kind of just shrugged my shoulders at the time. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And, uh, we, you know, with the help of James and, and some uh, manufacturers, we kind of made our own and lights and, and and got such incredible benefits then that's when red light rising was born awesome and then james yeah absolutely so like brian said we met at this health and wellness event and the reason i'd gone to this event is because having retired from rugby um, i was still working in a professional environment in the city of london um, doing quite long hours and basically i just felt really tired all the time and quite drained and having played you know relatively good level of rugby and kind of always try to achieve optimal performance it just didn't feel natural and i knew something wasn't quite right so looking at more natural health protocols led me to this biohacking event and meeting brian and when we discovered red light therapy and started using it i just couldn't believe the benefit i was getting from this light um, all of a sudden i was more energized at workouts um, I wasn't getting muscle soreness post-workout and just a multitude of benefits. And it was at that moment, something clicked in, I think in both our minds. And we just said, this is a huge opportunity just to bring this, this amazing technology and therapy to the UK and get as many people as possible benefiting from it. And really since then, it's been an amazing journey of meeting some incredible people and really seeing a massive difference we can make for people just using it at home to relieve pain, increase energy, get better sleep and just a huge range of benefits. Yeah, I think one of the um, the term biohacking, when I first came across the term biohacking, I think it was um, probably more along the lines of um, when Bulletproof, um, and is it, uh, what's the guy's name? Dave Asprey. Yeah, Asprey. and I, I don't know, I found it a bit weird at first. And then, um, I don't know, it's the time, but Tim said to me, that the, when we got the uh, when we got the, the red light um, stack to, to test out ourselves, I don't know, a month or so ago, I remember Tim, you said to me, you went, I could see you becoming a biohacker, Jacko. And I was like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a term that I really didn't originally, and they're talking probably a couple of years ago, um, I didn't really sort of, I found it quite difficult to go, mm, it just sounds a bit like funny. And then um, we had Sim Land on the podcast um, a couple of months ago that, um, you know, 
falls under that banner or would call himself a biohacker. Yeah. And um, I actually, understanding it now, and you, I wrote down a phrase that you said, Brian, in that about being, you, I wrote down as you, you'd said, we're trying to be as healthy as we can. And that as a, that as a, um, a philosophy to me is something that we are, me and Tim are totally like bought into. It's about, it's about being as healthy as you can. It's about being, trying to improve our longevity of our bodies and our health for, you know, for the future. And like, if that's what biohacking in, in your view stands for, then like I'm, I'm all on board those things. And we've had a, we've had a number of amazing guests on the podcast recently, like um, our functional health um, uh, doctors like Sally Bell, um, where we're talking about all these different aspects that are going to help improve our health. Um, and I guess, you know, the, the, and having people with expertise in that, whether they're talking about breath work as well with yeah. your sort of, um, Richie Norton's of this world and, um, trying to think of, uh, Tony Riddle, um, uh, the natural lifestylist, all these people that have got all these different, um, expertise and where we probably sit is around the, the body weight training side of it, but we appreciate that there's so much more to, um, that we can add in and it, we always appreciate being able to understand, what all these what all these elements can bring together hey tim in terms of like getting the most out of our our bodies for not just training but for life exactly i just want to um i just want to um bring something to your listeners attention really quickly um you know biohacking um is is quite an intimidating word and, yeah, I think that's why. Yeah, yeah. And, and if anybody, you know, this is what's going to happen. If someone goes and Google's biohacking, they're going to there's there's two slightly different schools of biohacking. So what uh, Jacko's just gone through there, what you've mentioned with your your body weight training and the breath work, uh, the red light therapy and and the fasting and and the eating a a certain kind of diet, these are the kind of biohacks I talk about. Um, and these are, you know, very, very easy. They're very normal and they're very natural. So there's another school of biohackers that are the guys, you know, generally coming out of Russia that they do kind of strange things. And that's when they're putting micro <laughs> microchips under their skin and, and really doing some strange, rather extremely intimidating stuff, which, you know, they have their reasons for it, but if the average person goes and sees this as the first example of their biohacking, like people putting microchips under their skin so they don't have to take their, you know, their bank card to an ATM, for example, this is not the kind of biohacking I'm talking about. This is not the kind of biohacking I'm into. Uh, that's a little bit too much for me. So I just yeah. want to, you know, make it clear for your listeners that if they do come across that, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Um, we're talking about a lot more natural, a lot more easy stuff to do, which we can certainly get into a bit yeah, later Yeah, I think on. there was like Sally Bell, the doctor um, that we had on the podcast a couple of times. You know, she fasting was one thing that she was big on in terms of um, for 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 the health benefits, mm. um, and but just didn't use, but didn't use the term biohacking for that. That was just. She, she was like, this is just a, a like you say, a natural thing that actually we're supposed to do. Um, as part of our everyday life and i think that that's exactly it fall, it, yeah it falls into that the, the, the term yeah you're that's, right and it's probably why i was a little bit when i first came across that term a few years ago a bit sort of like oh yes yeah. uh, what, what's that about the term that we're using now uh within within the the niche that that i'm and myself and james are very active in is either 
health optimization or ancestral health or ancestral wellness because yeah. you know it's a very it's it's a very broad subject and it and it deserves to be to be dug deeper into but basically it comes down to things that we're biologically evolved to respond to um, so with with the fasting we're biologically evolved to fast regularly with a light exposure we're biologically evolved to get certain colors of light at certain times of the day so that's that's the very brief uh, example of what we're talking about when we talk about biohacking health optimization or ancestral health yeah i think that's a really useful overview and, and like i'm i'm a big fan one of the things that we use in our coaching seminar is this concept of embracing complexity and resisting reductionism and i think health and fitness and well-being for a period of time has been definitely down that very much science has taken us down that route of reducing um, everything down to small components and this is what i'm going to focus on the thing I, I really like about what you guys are about and about this this biohacking landscape is that we are now embracing more complexity of the human system the human body mm. and recognizing that we are we have as we have sort of um as time has passed our lifestyles have changed we are spending more time indoors we're not eating as high quality foods these are all really important things that the human system needs and now we're looking at ways is because we are kind of embedded in a certain culture and society that we it's difficult to kind of just break free from entirely and going back to what it was like when in our, our ancestral days we're now having to try and find ways to bring these things into our lives to fit where we are currently kind of confined for want of a, of a better word so one of the things that um, I want you guys to sort of explain a little bit about, because you touched on it there a bit, Brian, was around um, exposure to light. If someone sees a, a red light and they're starting to look at red light therapy, it can look like a big box of red lights and you're going to sit in front of it and we're going to get started. We can talk about the benefits and how it works from a physiological perspective in a second. But there's a really useful um, slide that I've seen of you guys um, talking about different types of light. Just go through that um, so we can understand a little bit more about what exposure we're getting as a result of using um, red light therapy therapy yeah sure i can i can go into that tim if you want so just as human cells need nutrients from food light is also a necessary nutrient for our cells to be able to function well and be healthy um, and so if you look at the modern world we've created as you mentioned living in a predominantly indoor existence we're becoming deficient in certain types of lights which can actually induce diseases and actually be very very unhealthy just for you, your day-to-day -day energy levels as well as long-term health and longevity. What has been discovered is that relic therapy affects numerous physiological and biochemical mechanisms, but there's two primary mechanisms we focus on in terms of the benefits when we look at it. The first one is that it increases mitochondrial energy. So your cells are all made up of, of millions of mitochondria that produce energy. And when red light is shone on these cells, um, it stimulates the production of ATP by interacting with a photoreceptor. Um, and what this means is that the cellular energy inside your cells is increased, meaning that they function optimally, whether it's your muscles, your brain, or any of the organs. They're basically going to do their job better and more efficiently. And then the second mechanism we look at is that by creating a temporary low-dose me metabolic stress, very similar to exercise, this ultimately builds up the anti-inflammatory and defense systems of the cell. And this increases the anti-inflammatory properties and also enhances cellular resistance and resilience. 
Perfect. So, and, and just that the specific type of red light, because there's a spectrum, isn't there, of, of how we, um, of, of light that we're exposed to. And the, the red light therapy channels in on a couple of those. Just, um, just touch on those so that, again, it, just to differentiate and understand what it is that that particular spectrum of light is doing or how it fits into the spectrum of different types of light. Yeah, sure. So we're focusing predominantly on the, on the obviously you're aware of visible and invisible light, and we're looking at the red light of the visible spectrum and the infrared light of the invisible spectrum. So when you turn on one of our units, you'll see half the LEDs are lit up red, and that is the red light in a specific wavelength that we've identified that causes the metabolic reactions that we're looking for. And then the other half of the LEDs will look like they're turned off, but that is the near infrared light, which is invisible to the human eyes. And the key differences between the two types of light are the penetration of depth. Um, so the red light can penetrate up to about 1.5 centimeters beneath the skin, whereas the near infrared can go up to five centimeters. And for me, that's really where the magic happens when you start getting the deeper benefits. So you're not only getting the skin regeneration and rejuvenation from the red light, you're also getting the deep muscle fibers, organs, your brain, you're getting all the benefits at a deeper penetration as well. Yeah, particularly for my glutes. I don't want to get in that deep. Um, yeah, I was like, <laughs> not that deep, when, I, I, you know, when I first turned mine on, I was like, oh, half the lights aren't working, Tim. <laughs> but then that's, I'm checking. The, but I just, dropped it, Jacko, when I <laughs> But the, um, the, just, so for, for people that are lit, like, because obviously, James, you're talking at, uh, at a high level there, and I just want to try and make this digestible for people people listening. And, you know, even they're just like going, the difference between visible light and invisible light. Some people might be like, what do you mean? Like, I can see all light. Um, whereas that's obviously a good example. There's, um, there's, there's also, there obviously is light that we're getting exposed to that's good we know that going out in uh, out in nature and getting um in, into the literally into the sunlight um is good for us it helps regulate some of our hormones and part of our circadian rhythm we had nick little hales a sleep expert come on to talk about the importance of that like early in the mornings etc um and that's just give us the difference between that type of light that we know you know that what is that that type of light on that spectrum and then we've got things like um we're exposed to probably a lot of us from our computers i'm sat down in front of one now um our mobile phones that's blue light right um yeah, correct. I think it's worth noting that all these spectrums of light are emitted by the sun. So when you go out into the sun, you're getting blue light, you're getting UV light, you're also getting red light and the heat of the sun as well, which is the infrared heat that you're feeling. Yeah. And so these are all very natural wavelengths, all very natural light. What we've done is isolate the specific light that causes the increase in energy. And so when you go out in the morning, you're going to see potentially a lot of red light as the sun rises. And as the sun you know, approaches midday, it becomes at its brightest and strongest and you get a, more, a lot more blue light. And as you said, mentioned, Jacko, is that that kind of sets the circadian rhythm for increased um, cortisol levels, wakes you up, makes you more alert. Yeah. And that's what blue light is doing. Um, also, blue light shuts down melatonin production. And what, that's why it's very dangerous to use blue light devices in the evenings, things like your mobile phones, your TVs, your computers, because if you use it in the evening, and again, these receptors in your eyes acknowledge that blue light, it's going to shut down melatonin production, which means you will not go to sleep as quickly and you will not enter as deep as sleep as well. Yeah. So these is all very important kind of to understand how light has this impact on your biology. Yeah, and I think that the modern day society doesn't, doesn't really tell it, you know, 
doesn't tell us this doesn't what actually this current like if you just go along with the flow of what everyone does most people sit on their phone before they might even be in bed with their phone before they're going to try and go to sleep and then have a terrible night's sleep and think that it and, and not equate it to the fact that this thing is different so we're right in thinking then that um obviously the sun is providing us with all these different um different spectrums of light but what we're saying is that as as um as modern life has changed we are now getting exposed less to light because we spend so much time indoors and then when we are indoors we're actually exposing ourselves much more to the the blue light spectrum as opposed to some of those some of the other uh, other parts you know the red light the the near infrared that we would get naturally from the sun but we're just am i right is that is that am i getting that that gauge right that basically we're we're exposing ourselves to more of the 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 wrong end effectively and then what you're trying to do is you know so if what i'm trying to say is almost like if i if i was always outside in a place where there's good amount of sunlight obviously potentially not always in the uh in the uk but if i was in somewhere where there was i would be getting naturally that good spectrum of light that's that's healthy for me and giving me all those benefits exactly jacko you've mentioned a couple of good things there so uh, you know sometimes people say to us like i mean if, if you're talking about natural natural therapy how can red light therapy be natural it's because as james mentioned and as jacko you've mentioned is that all this these wa- these two wavelengths they do come from the sun so if you're lucky enough to live closer to the equator or somewhere where you're getting regular sun you are getting red light therapy benefits from the sun but you're getting it in a much lower dose and you're also getting all the other wavelengths of light that are coming from the sun. And of course, as we know, some of these wavelengths are not ideal in high quantities. And that's the UV wavelengths, for example. And there's also X-rays and gamma rays and all this other stuff that comes from the sun, where in small doses, it's no problem at all. Now, where our devices, you know, we, we like to call this like it's a light supplement. So we'll never tell anybody that red light therapy is a substitute for the sun because it's not. Because you need a little bit of sunlight every single day if possible. But because um, you're in the UK in this context or maybe it's winter and you also you can't be in the sun for hours and hours every day because then you're going to be picking up all those those negative effects of sunlight, you know, the sunburn and, you know, in the worst case, the, the, the skin aging and, and skin cancer. Where red light therapy comes in is that you have no um, harmful wavelengths coming out of our red light therapy devices. You just have the good stuff. You have that light nutrient that James was mentioning, and you can get it every single day from the comfort of your own home to, to make sure in at least that regard, you're getting um, as much benefit as you can from red light therapy. Hopefully, you're getting some natural lights as well, but of course, in the Northern Hemisphere, that's not always possible. Great. Thanks, guys. I think there's, um, there's something just from a bit of context from my own perspective is I'm, I'm married to a South African um, who grew up in Pretoria. And um, when she moved over, Corin, she, um, 
she really still now still finds the winters in the UK brutally difficult because even winter in South Africa for those, Brian, you obviously know this well, um, is that uh, all, even in the winter in Pretoria, it's 25 degrees in clear blue skies <laughs> during, the, during, the, during the winter and it just gets a bit cold at night. But it's winter in South Africa is like summer in, in the UK. Um, but she still finds it hard and she just wants to hibernate. Um, in the winter and, and some people in the UK will have heard of this seasonal affective disorder or, or SADS and, and that's a, a common kind of um, ailment I guess that people are getting from not having enough exposure yeah. to sunlight and I did it I'll let you, you just kind of expand on this in a second guys but I, I did it as this sort of science geek kind of person that I am you go to research and you start looking at, at some of the, the founding and some of the, the publications around using red light therapy and photobiomodulation which is like the technical term for, for some of this stuff that you're talking about and it's got it's been used in medicine and medical arenas for a long time. And, and what you guys are doing is actually taking something which is really well established and just bringing it into people who are wanting to be healthier, but reaping the benefits that it has been used for for particular different disease control or, or different kind of medical purposes as well. Exactly, hundred percent. I mean, the, the beauty of red light therapy. I'll tell you, you know, my a quick little anecdote of when when I started using red light therapy. So as we mentioned, you know, James and I, we actually just built our first lights just for ourselves. We had no intention of selling them or, you know, we were still, although we, we both understood the science and I think we were both, um, you know, convinced enough by all the anecdote that we'd heard, all the, you know, articles that we'd read. Um, so we built our own lights just to see what happened. And I was living in London at the time. It was the middle of winter. Uh, um, I was in a, a rather uncomfortable situation in my own life. I was you know, in a bad mood. I was slightly depressed. I had a seasonal affective disorder for sure, because as you just mentioned, I grew up in Africa. Um, so the, the winters in the UK were just really, really tanking my mood, really putting me low down. And within a few days of using you know, the light when I got it, the red light therapy every single morning, I found myself walking down the London street early in the morning on my way to work, still a little bit dark, a little bit gray. I was whistling. I had a pep in my step. I was, I just felt fantastic. I, it was the middle of winter. I never even had a hoodie on in a t-shirt because I just, I felt so good. And that's when I realized I was like, Oh my God, I feel amazing. Is it, is it the, the red light therapy that I've been using for about a week? Uh, and that's when I called up James and I said, how's it going with that light, by the way, because I feel amazing. And that's when James was like, man, I feel fantastic too. So that's when I realized in my own experience, I was like, well, one of the, one of the benefits that people talk about with red light therapy is an, it's an improvement in your mood because again, this light stimulates energy production um, <clears throat> in your organs and your glands, which are producing your feel good hormones and that's exactly what I experienced within about a week of using red light therapy. It improved my mood. And then, of course, after that, I started noticing that my joints were loosening up. My joints felt more fluid. Um, I was working in the construction industry at the time. And I started noticing that all my cuts and bruises and, and all the damage I had on my hands uh, were, were healing much quicker. And you know, it was all down to red light therapy. It was quite amazing. Great. So just, we want to get into a bit around sort of enhanced performance and, and recovery and, and then onto sort of effects on, on wellness and immunity, which is obviously quite topical at the moment. Just so we've got people building a context, because there'd be people listening who've never seen one of these um, devices before. Just kind of explain a little bit how, you, how do you use it? How do you, how do you gain um, the benefits from the red light? 
Sure. So um, my favorite way to use the light. Now, this is something I actually I tell people a lot because we'll, we'll get people calling us up and saying, hey, I want red light therapy for hair. Is that good? Or, hey, I want red light therapy for skin. I want red light therapy for bone health. I want red light therapy for muscle health. Can you help? And the first thing I say is like, the red light therapy helps for all of that. So it's almost pointless to be like, oh, I just use red light therapy for skin health because you're getting bone health, you're getting muscle health, you're getting brain health, you're getting eye health, and you're getting skin health all at the same time. So that being said, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in, in relatively good shape and relatively good health. So I use my lights, uh, my, my best time to use them is every single morning uh, at around 7 a.m. That's around the sunrise where I live. And I focus mostly on my face, my throat, uh, my chest, where all obviously the important organs are. And for me, that's, that's the best bang for the buck because you're getting the skin benefits on your face. So you look a little better. I'm getting um, uh, benefits for eye health because the eyes are, are full of mitochondria. And when we get this red and infrared light in the eyes, the eyes have more energy to process light uh, and, to, and to heal and recover. I'm getting red light therapy on my throat and my chest. So I'm getting all those energy benefits and anti-inflammatory benefits over all my important organs. And of course, the organs are so important in the body. We, you know, we don't even need to explain that. Um, the organs are just so important. And when they get this boost of energy, they do everything better. And you know, very generally speaking, that translates into you know, not only better performance, uh, in terms of, of exercise and working out and training, but also better performance where the body's producing the hormones a little bit more efficiently and it's you know, healing and repairing the body a little bit more efficiently across all the systems. So is it a matter of sort of being in the room with the red light shining or do you, you need to sit? Obviously, you mentioned before about the light penetration into the, into the body. The distance to, to sitting to or standing close to the light is, is important or is there benefits of just having it on as you're moving around, getting up, making breakfast, that kind of thing? There's, um, there's definitely benefits. Whenever there is a bright red light uh, in your vicinity, you're getting benefits. You're just getting a different level of benefit. So when I'm specifically doing a red light therapy treatment, I stand uh, approximately uh, 20 centimeters, 20 to 30 centimeters away from the light. I expose as much skin as possible. So I'm usually completely naked in front of the light and uh, I'm getting the red and infrared light across as much of my body as possible. Our lights are actually very, very big lights, so we can talk about that in a minute. But exactly, I'm standing 20 centimeters from the light, exposing as much skin as possible, and uh, just absorbing as much light as possible. And, and it only takes 15 minutes a day. That's all it is. I think it's worth pointing out as well that in order to get the benefits of red light therapy, you need to shine the lights on your skin. And that's why, obviously, Brian removes it all his clothes in order to get maximum benefit from the lights. And then the closer you are to the light, the more energy you're accumulating from the light because the light photons hitting your skin are going to be more intense because you're, you're that much closer. So that means you're accumulating energy at a quicker rate, which means you need less time in front of the light. Whereas if you spend a meter back from the light, 
the light intensity is going to be slightly reduced, meaning you can spend more time in front of the light and maybe relax a little bit more in front of the light. But again, you need to accumulate more energy over more time to get the required benefits. Yeah, and you have to be a little bit more careful with your Instagram posts when you're doing it nudie, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> depends depends I, on the tone of your Instagram. Yeah, okay, yeah, I guess so. You probably get some more. Probably yeah, Jack, get just likes. mental note, you need to be careful with uh, doing it nude <laughs> on our Instagram. <laughs> um, I'd listened to a number of podcasts, actually, before you guys even got in, in touch with, uh, with us. Um, one notably from uh, a guy I follow, me and my wife follow quite a lot, um, Chris Cresser from the Cresser Institute in the, in America is a functional um, medicine practitioner, and they were he had a he had um, a guest on where they were talking about um, purely about the infrared and having um, full in, full infrared saunas where they just literally like would sit in one and just getting hit from from all angles and um, the benefits that they were talking about obviously the same types of thing as, as, as you guys and so I was really um, interested in some of these more the from, from our point of view those of us that are into our training anything that we're going to get that's helping aid performance and particularly accelerating recovery um really interesting could you just go into a little bit of detail um into that and how that's a little bit of like the science to back that back those sort of claims up rather than, you know there's a lot of things out there that people say oh it, it helps improves performance and it helps does this but you know we're interested i guess we're interested in just sharing with the with the listeners why why people are getting so excited about red and um the infrared lights in terms of those performance and recovery benefits. I think it's worth saying that, you know, the benefits we've talked about, the actual mitochondrial stimulation, the energy, the anti-inflammatory properties, that's not under debate. That's a you know, biological fact yeah. that these metabolic reactions happen when the red light is shone on you know, the tissues of the skin. So what, what you're trying to, I guess, identify is the exact benefits you can expect from doing that. And there are thousands and thousands of peer-reviewed studies on red light therapy out there. It's one of the most researched therapies you can find on PubMed. Um, and basically, I think of the studies, 75% of them confirm that you will get significant benefits from the therapy. And of the 25% that get a null response, there's weaknesses in the research methodology in that you're not using the lights for long enough. You're not accumulating enough energy to get the responses. And that's why the, the, the results of the study potentially didn't show the results, that, you know, the benefits that we would expect. Yeah. Why, James, why do you think has it been, why has it been so um, hotly sort of researched? Is there, is there any reason behind that or, or thoughts on that or like why is why is there so much research on it? Um, so, so the first research was done by NASA, I believe, in the 80s, who were using it specifically for astronauts in space. Um, but basically, since that point, uh, there's just been a lot of interest, and NASA drove a lot of the research in the early days. Um, and if you if you look at more recently, there's a lot more funded research um, from elite athletes, especially in the US, where now there's case studies of um, basketball players, NFL players. So, so in the States, there's a lot more research behind this. You get a lot more elite athletes and elite teams sponsoring research papers just to demonstrate the benefits before they make significant investments in this technology. Um, but it's quite an interesting topic in that it is such a non-invasive you know, protocol uh, a lot of companies are trying to demonstrate that this this you know this therapy should be used more in mainline medicine as well. So there's a large company in the UK called Novathor 
who, who basically creates you know medical grades light therapy devices and they're quite prevalent in you know meeting us congress as well as you know uk um, government ministers to discuss implementing ballot therapy into just mainstream medicine because it could be used for so many you know, non-invasive treatments which currently the nhs for example are reliant on drugs or quite invasive protocols to relieve the patients of you know pains and symptoms yeah, I was wondering that, that often you see with these types of things, whereas something like NASA, like starting it off, obviously for their reasons, and then when something is deemed to be potentially, um, you know, very, very useful in the sort of general health of people, it will it will get a lot of research done on it. And then, then often you'll see that the performance sports will jump off the back of those things and go, okay, well, actually, if it's going to help someone with, you know, this type of recovery from a whatever it may be they go well will that there might be an operation or something and then then in the sporting world they go okay well will that actually help with just day-to-day recovery of of the athlete and then all of a sudden it picks up a lot of a lot of interest and then there's more and more and more research put into it and the good thing about that is when you the more research is done on something then we have more more reason to understand how it works correctly and then how to maximize those positive benefits um ourselves so we everyone gets to benefit out of that i guess Exactly. Um, and an important point there, you know, just to, just to go over, you know, what James just said, like what's, what's so exciting about red light therapy and, and why there's so much interest in it, you know, for the past, you know, number of decades is because it's so easy. Um, almost anybody can do it. You just have to stand in front of it for a few minutes a day and the benefits are consistently proven to be real, uh, and tangible, not only anecdotally, but scientifically with, you know, very stringent testing as well. So it's, you know, it's not something that you need to study for ages and ages to, to utilize properly. From day one, you plug it in, you use it, you're getting the benefits 15 minutes a day. And, and would you guys, you sort of mentioned before about um, using it for a week in the early days and, and feeling the benefits, is it, is it something that you noticeably feel in quite a short period of time as well? Um, some people feel it instantly, straight away. Um, you know, after, after one or two sessions, some people it takes a week, some people it takes a few, uh, you know, a few weeks. Everybody's different. Um, you know, I always draw the comparison. It's like, you know, you start eating a healthy diet, you might not, you know, some people will feel fantastic after a salad. Some people need three weeks to start noticing the difference after a diet change, you know. So it's slightly different for, for everybody. I know for me, like how I notice it now is now I notice it when I stop using it. You know, so for example, if I'm traveling around for a while, I don't always have a light with me. Or if I'm, you know, busy with some kind of project, I sometimes skip my red light therapy for a few days in a row. And then I start to notice that I wake up a little bit more tired. Uh, I start to notice um, some aches and pains, some stiffness, uh, whether it's just from, you know, old age or, or, or from working out. I notice some residual pain afterwards. And that's when I get the reminder. I'm like, God, I feel terrible today. And then I realize, oh, I haven't done red light therapy for a few days. And then I'll go back to it. And then, you know, the next day I'm, I'm feeling less achy, less painy, uh, more energized, and I'm sleeping better. So it's, um, you know, it's something that I, you know, after using it for so long, I'm kind of, you know, quote unquote, used to it now. So I really notice it when I stop using it. 
So for someone who's never used it before, they're, they're very likely to feel um, at least an increase in energy, an increase in mood within a couple of days for sure. Yeah, I think our recommendation would be that you guys have got some great articles and resources on your website. So if people want to find out more about it and, and understand what it's going to do for them, um, that's a really good place to start. Because you're right, looking through and when I've read through the information, it's almost quite difficult to kind of go, well, it does this one thing. It's so much stuff that it does. I've just got one question and I'll, I'll let Jacko sort of um, sort of bring this into a, a bit of a close. Um, it, it, one of the things which I think is really important in terms of maintaining um, health, and this is something which kind of spans across um, many different like practitioners or people that we've spoken to around improving wellness and well-being is, is sleep. Um, using the red lights in the morning, for example, as you guys do, does that still have an effect when people are trying to try and get a better night's sleep, like last, obviously at the end of the day? Yeah, without a doubt, it will have a massive impact. So there's been a number of studies done around sleep and red light therapy. And what they've demonstrated is that by using red light therapy in the morning, it does act as a circadian rhythm marker of the sunrise, quite similar to when you go out um, at midday to get a lot of blue light exposure to get that cortisol increase using red lights in the morning to sort of mark the circadian rhythm and then also because it enhances your cellular energy and activity all your glands and organs will again produce the hormones more efficiently it is actually demonstrated that you'll get an increased melatonin production in the evening by using red light therapy in the morning and as we know melatonin is is the you know, the hormone that allows you to enter a deeper state of sleep um, so it's a really you know, effective you know, therapy to use. Yeah. I've, got, I've got one question, Jacko. Sorry, Sorry, just off the back of that, because it link in. Um, we're doing some preparations, obviously, for, um, for some of the athletes that we work with in, in terms of Paralympic Games, which is um, Tokyo next year now, as it's since been moved. But there's a big thing in arriving at competitions in sport in the, in the best possible place to compete. And Japan offers a significant um, issue for us in terms of um, travel time and the change in, um, in, in clock times. Is there anything been done around red light rise? This is purely just off the back, off the, off the cuff, really. But in terms of, uh, from you guys, in terms of using red light therapy to, to improve or limit um, the impacts of jet lag? Because that's all about getting circadian rhythms back on the right path right in terms of adjusting to a new time zone yeah correct and I, th I think using light therapy as a whole can really help you to you know hack you know the jet lag you can experience so again as soon as you arrive at, at your destination the best thing you can do really is get natural sunlight to get your body exposed to as much natural light as possible to set your circadian rhythm if that's not possible then without a doubt get red light therapy in your skin get your energy levels boosted so you can you know, have that increased energy for the day and also you can use other therapy devices um, which emit blue light, which again helps your body recognize its daytime, it, you know, increase your cortisol levels and get your circadian rhythm set. Relic therapy also is great to use in the evenings we find because it doesn't negatively impact melatonin levels. So if you, for example, if you're looking at your phone or reading a book, always have some red light in your environment because your eyes will receive those signals and let you know that it's evening time as the sun sets, you see a lot of red light as well. So it lets your body know it's the evening time and can be quite relaxing as well. Yeah, so that's actually what I was going to ask you, James, is that when, when you mentioned there about circadian rhythm, having the red light in the morning, it actually helping even later on. But if I'm, I'm just thinking of what my environment might be like at home, if I'm sat with, um, what type of what color, what sort of light is coming out of like my my bog standard um, light bulbs? Well, if, if the LED light bulbs, they're probably just what we call junk light, which is just white light. 
It's a yeah. very narrow spectrum. And basically that's what screws up your circadian rhythm because it makes you really right. think it's midday. So again, yeah. it suppresses the melatonin. It's quite stimulating. It can be oxidative in excess as well. So again, that, those are the types of lights that really mess up the circadian rhythm. So what we would recommend is replacing LEDs with incandescent bulbs, which emit a much broader spectrum of light, more in the red spectrum as well. Or if you can't replace the bulbs, then just don't use white LEDs in the evenings. Just make sure you've got like table lamps on or something like a red light therapy device that will offset the blue light as well. So it doesn't have such a dramatic impact on your circadian yeah. rhythm. That's what I think. So almost even better, get your blue, get all your blue light things off, like your TV and your phone, etc., and get some get some red light on is actually going to be be the best just we're getting like now i quite like it getting quite i feel i'm feeling like a biohacker i'm getting into it um what what the so if we went like before i'm just thinking now this is just again off the cuff if i was to uh be living 200 years ago and we didn't have electricity um and i had i was reading my book did they have books by then? Yeah, they must have books. I'm reading my book, right? We might even have electricity, Jacko. Hey? I'm not sure. We might even have electricity, <laughs> <Is> it, <I'm> <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> Do you have no, um, I'm, I'm reading my book, right? And um, But I'm doing it via candlelight because that's the only light that we had. Um, would, that, would candlelight be less likely to affect my uh, circadian rhythm? Like, like a fire, actually, if I was sat around a campfire, exactly. for example. Exactly. Exactly. Is that right? You, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there, Jacker. So a candlelight, um, like you just said, mimics, mimics the, the campfire and it mimics the sunset. So the way I like to think about light in terms of the circadian rhythm, just to, just to build on what James said, is that when you use red light therapy in the morning, I recommend using it around sunrise. So, you know, the, the problem that, that we have in the Northern Hemisphere is that sunrise and sunset differs drastically throughout the year. So an ideal situation, which is not possible for everybody, but an ideal situation is to build your environment so that you have roughly the same light exposure throughout the day, throughout the year. So what I would do is that if I'm going to be using red light therapy in the morning uh, to get all the benefits we've spoken about, but also to get circadian rhythm benefits, I use it at more or less the same time every single morning, which will be my sunrise, which you know ideally would be around 7 a.m. every single day. I know that's not possible in, in the Northern Hemisphere, but with red light therapy, you can mimic that. So you use your red light therapy at 7 in the morning, and that is telling your brain the sun is coming up over the mountain because I'm seeing the, you know, obviously I'm seeing red light, but I'm seeing red and orange and yellow. And then after my red light therapy in the morning, then it's bright white light throughout the day, which, you know, is probably, you know, indoor lighting in the Northern Hemisphere, but it's also the, the, the actual colors of the sun throughout the day. And then using the red light again in the evening around sunset time. But what's important if you use it in the evening for your sleep is that you can't use red light therapy at, um, you know, say 6 p.m. and then go and watch Netflix until 10 p.m. Because you're, yeah. getting, you're telling your brain that it's sunset with the red light. But then you're also telling your brain, oh, no, it's, it's the middle of the afternoon because now I'm watching Netflix or I'm playing on my phone and I'm getting all that bright blue light. So you're confusing your brain. So if for people who are wanting to optimize their sleep, which I believe should be everybody, 
you see the red light in the evening at sunset and after that you stick to candlelight or very very dim light you cut out as much blue light as possible and then hopefully around 10 p.m. you're shutting off all the light completely. So you go from blue light in the day to red light around sunset to no light around bedtime. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think actually that going back right back to the, um, it'll make sense in a minute, but almost like at the beginning where you were talking about um, someone may go, well, how can how can you be using one of these red lights and infrared? How can that be um, a natural? It's it's manufactured. It's very unnatural. And often I'm starting, I sort of think more these days around like what we like, what we think is normal or we, we deem the norm is just like what we currently do. So it's normal now for a lot of people to say whether they're watching Netflix or whatever it is, mm. like it's normal to have probably a lot of blue light exposure from our, our computers, our mm. TVs and our phones, etc. That's normal, but it's not actually, but it's not normal in terms of how long man has been on the, uh, on the planet and how long we have, um, I mean, men and women, just humans, how long we've been around and actually what's, what's good for us and what we're sort of effectively designed to do. And what we, what I guess we're trying to do is go, there's a number of things that you want to try and do to try and get back to a more natural, um, way of nourishing your body. And when we're talking about sleep here specifically, we're going, there's a, th there's some things that you want to try and do to try and optimize your circadian rhythm in terms of what you're doing in the mornings is just as important as what you're doing in the evenings. And there's stuff that we can do, um, even before you go then and invest in, um, some actual red light therapy. There's some, there's some things, uh, some simple changes you can make and you can, you can call yourself a biohacker if you want, or just call yourself mm -hmm. the fact that you're going to try and do some things naturally to improve my overall health and, and wellness and sleep may be a part of that. And that the, that the red light therapy is a way of trying to offset some of the exposure, the huge exposure probably to, to things like blue light that we're getting from all of our technology that we just aren't designed or used to, used to do that's sort of where my mind is going with it which um, exactly, in my head yeah. makes a lot of I mean, sense hopefully like people say, like can resonate with that it, yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean it, it is normal to sit on a computer all day and to watch netflix at night and to be stuck on your phone that's like socially what's become normal mm -hmm. but like you say like that's that's basically a poison it's killing because, us <laughs> because because our bodies our bodies have evolved to, to where they are for millions of years millions of years so to even you know this might sound a little bit extreme but it's not normal to be living in the northern hemisphere because humans have only been living in the northern hemisphere for you know a few tens of thousands of years whereas we were living in you know closer to the equator for millions of years so our bodies have evolved to have roughly 24 uh, 12 hours of light and 12 hours of dark but of course in the northern hemisphere in winter you're getting a much more different, um, mm. you know, uh, uh, exposure to light. You know, we've got much longer periods of darkness and much shorter periods of natural light. So that's, that's very unnatural for us. So that's why we're getting um, SAD uh, in, in the Northern Hemisphere, because we're not getting enough of that natural light. So, you know, something like red light therapy is, is a supplement to that, just to try and, you know, bring more of a, uh, you know, a balance to the light exposure. And, and, and like you mentioned there, there's so many 
easy and free biohacks that people can do before they have to invest in red light therapy. And, and at Red Light Rising, that's something we really try and drive home with people. You know, of course, we would like to, you know, sell some lights, but um, we also tell people, are you eating healthy? Are you working out? Are you getting some cold therapy? Are you waking up with the sun? Are you reducing uh, your blue light exposure at night? There's, there's a lot of things that people can do um, you know, to optimize their health before they have to, before they have to spend any money. And, and that's something we're very passionate about. You know, we're, we're not only a red light therapy company, we're a performance and recovery company. And there's a lot of things you can do before it comes to red light therapy. Yeah, it's almost, it's like we need to be getting our we need to be getting our basics right, and hopefully, um, you know, we talk about it with our training that you know laying laying a foundation, get the basics under control before you try and do any of the fancy stuff. And I guess there's hopefully some encouragement there for people in the podcast to go just challenge. I would just encourage people to challenge themselves on what actually what's their norm, and then mm. what do they think actually should be the norm. Um, and then is it the the website is redlightrising.co.uk. Um, you've got a whole set host of um, blogs you've been putting out about some of these additional changes that people, simple things that people um, can do exactly. before I'm, investing in any any products. Correct. Exactly. What, what we're finding now is, of course, you know, during this you know this this uh, international lockdown, uh, people are people are nervous, people are are scared, people are, are wondering what they could do to to better protect themselves. And red light therapy is very 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 uh, useful in this regard. But um, we currently have a campaign that we're, we're trying to share with the world right now called the Prevention Protocols. And this is a series of articles and blogs that people can find on our website. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is easy and free that everybody can do. And in my opinion, everybody oh, should be doing it because, um, you know, it's, it's talking about optimizing your circadian rhythm, exposing your body to the cold, um, you know, taking some, some breaks from eating food, you know, the fasting, all of this is easy and free and you can do this starting now. And this is what we're trying to share with people right now. And, and once people, you know, feel the incredible benefits of all of this stuff, which is easy and free, then just like my own experience and James's experience, once you've covered all those foundations, once you've done all the, the free stuff, then you can start looking at red light therapy and, and, and taking your health to the next level and supplementing everything else you're doing by, by then investing in, in some technology. My cold showers are even saving me money on my heating bill as well. There you go. Exactly. There you go. It's not not even free. It's like the inverse of what's over that. You know, I mean, it's like a make it make the it opposite of free. You're <laughs> making it probably yeah, yeah. No, thank you guys. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. It's been a really um, enlightening and informative conversation, and, and I definitely I think um, has put some real context to to what red light therapy is all around. And um, the thing that I love. About that is um, for me that is so beautiful about it is it comes back to something quite simple in that we are designed as humans to live in a way which is dictated by the sun I, I spent a year working in Zanzibar with five degrees south exactly. of the equator 100%. so um, I'm 100% happy to move back um, to that kind of living and sitting around campfires at night but the guys in Zanzibar they're, they're, they start six hours after hours because it starts when the sun rises and it ends when the sun goes to bed mm. because they don't have um, they don't have electricity in the villages and, and we had to work on a different time zone we were 
we were on like Western time, but working on their time. So we were told the boat to arrive at a certain time in the morning. I was a scuba diving instructor. We had to work six hours in front. Um, and it's just, it's, it just reminds us that actually it's a real simple thing. And all we're doing is trying to bring something or get back to the simplicity yeah. of it by using technology to, 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 to give us an opportunity to live the way that we are actually designed to live. So I think, thank you so much for, for sharing so much knowledge on that. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you ever so much. That was brilliant. Absolute pleasure, Jens. Thank you so much. So thanks so much, Brian and James, for coming on to the podcast. And I know that you've got a, um, a discount code SOC5 gives the scorecard podcast listeners 5% off any of your Red Light Rising products. So head over to redlightrising.co.uk if you want some more information on the products or all of those blog content that we just mentioned uh, and use SOC5 for that 5% discount. So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts. So we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a lot of value out of it, guys. And we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value. And also, if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars, not as good keep it five are the best five of your best stars please (laughs) and if you would like to find out more about the school of calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got head over to our virtual classroom you can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com and that is where we have got literally possibly the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world it's definitely the best one we've done and on that note until next week class dismissed